This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Family's like huge football fans, and my mum and dad um, started a cl- like a local grassroots club. Uh, my brother had a team, and then as soon as I was like shown how obsessed I was, I was literally three year old with a ball at my feet, uh, along like at the side of his games. And they were like, "When she gets old, I would need to start a team for her age." So I was literally four or five years old when uh, I started with the boys' team. So, how many brothers and sisters? Uh, a brother and cousins. Both, no. boy, both boys and girls were cousins who were also played football. So, with you, was it all like were you with you specifically? Was it like were you all football, or was there other sports that you kind of were into and you liked, or was it or you were good at 
was it just every, football? Every sport. <laughs> Everything. Every sport. So, but uh, when I was a teenager, I started to take up boxing also. Yeah, I've seen you doing like putting some videos and stuff up on mm. um, Instagram and stuff like that with boxing. Like, is that something that you were like good at where you could have gone professional to that side of the things? Or was Probably, I mean, it's always been football. Football's my obsession. And I mean, if I reflect, I think, because obviously boxing's kind of like you've, you're by yourself and you've got to yes. have that internal motivation. And that's something that I've like, I've always had. So if I did have boxing as my obsessive sport when I was younger, I think it all comes down to habits, doesn't it? And when you're training, when you make them basic habits, your instincts, that's when you get good. That's when you're good. Uh, so, yeah, I think if I did take up boxing when I was younger, I could have, I could have been really good. Cool. How old were you when you first started playing for like your local team? Football? Yeah, just kids. Like five. local team. Yeah, five. five. That's, that is, that's, that's relatively young. Well, it is young, isn't it? Because like I think around here we start, I think they start under seven or under eight. Mm-hmm. But then you'll always have, I reckon, at least every year there's always like a five-year-old who will play sort of two years up because they're, you know, they're a bit better than well, that's what they should what it, be for the That's what it was. It was like an under-six league, but I was yeah. I was the year younger. Yeah, yeah. So, was there, is there a lot of... Was there girls' teams around, like, when you were coming up, really? Nothing? Not really, until I was, like, maybe 11, 12-year-old, when I was forced to stop playing. That's when I had to go searching for girls' teams, and I didn't really want to, but... <laughs> yeah, they said... Um, I had to do... It, it's a weird thing. They so they let the girls. I'm, I'm basing this on like my local area, which is Cardiff. But they let the girls play with the boys all the way through from under sevens, and then all of a sudden, under twelves comes, and they just cut them off and say, right, no, the girls can't play no more. Which yeah. I can't. I I do and you know I understand the reasons why. Of course I do. But then equally, you kind of just cutting off like a whole generation of female footballers who if they haven't got depending on your local area if you haven't got a girls team to go to Mm -hmm. um or you haven't got a connection to a local academy or whatever it may be then you're kind of losing all those players every time you know a new season starts um and like i did a show recently where i talked about how many young male footballers are lost but when you think about it you must in the UK, you must lose so many female footballers every time the season starts. You lose under 12s or whatever, under 11s. You just lose like a whole, almost a whole generation of footballers, yeah. apart from the ones who've maybe already been spotted by a, you know, the local women, like women's Premier League team or Championship team or Super League team or whatever. But like for those ones who haven't quite got to that level, and also I'm sure you'd agree, like you change a lot from say under 11s under 12s to 18 like you change as a person you change as a player mm-hmm. it's just like a massive um i don't know what the right word is but like you could lose so many you can lose so many footballers automatically so what did you do so like under 12s you were told you couldn't play in the boys team no more or so 
for club team, yeah. I couldn't yeah. play for my club boys team, but I still played for my school team. Uh, but for the club team, I went to a local girls grassroots team, which I was quite lucky because we had a very good team and it was like almost all of the players that went into Sunderland and Newcastle when we found out that we should have went to an academy. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't necessarily get a challenge. We were hammering teams like 20 nil every week. And because obviously when I played for the boys, I'm a physical and aggressive player as it is. So when I wasn't getting any of that physicality back or a challenge, it was really bugging me. Um, so I don't know, like, just... But I suppose but, you like, but, if you like that physical battle uh-huh. and it's taken away, like you're going to miss that. Yeah, even, and that's, that's why I didn't want to go play girls football because I wanted... I mean, sometimes I watch boys playing football against girls and they're scared of going for a tackle. But that wasn't yeah. the case with me because I used to, yeah. like purposely get angry to make them want to come and tackle me hard yeah uh so like i used to get that physical challenge from them but i didn't get it from the girls so i didn't really want to play with girls football uh so i used to relish the times when i used to be able to play for my school team because yeah. my secondary pa teacher like wrote to the fa and i was still allowed to play up until i was 14 uh in year in year eight in 13, 14, that's when I started to see the physical difference. Uh, but I still kept up uh, and I used to love it. But even when I was younger, I played for the boys' year six team and year three. You were, so, so you were not just playing, you know, like with the boys, you were one of the better players by the sounds of it as well. Yeah, I was in year three with the year sixes and I, I used did to the, love it. Did the, boy, did the boys... Accept, like, kind of accept you because you were good at football straight away, or was there a bit of pushback? Like, jam on about, like, in you know, like those early where kids are kids, and it's like, oh, as a girl, why is she playing? Or was there they were all my right because you were good my, at it? My teammates used to uh, accept me, yeah, but like the, the opposing teams, I used to get like bullied so bad, like, really, mm. really nastily as well. Like, I used to get man beast and everything. Uh, there was actually one time for the school team when I was in year eight and I scored like a 30 yarder against a, a really good team who had like Sunderland Academy players on and I, I got bullied badly in that game and I thought you know what it is I'll let my actions do the talking and when I scored that 30 yarder <laughs> I turned to them and I, I, I like grabbed my shorts as though like I was grabbing private parts of a boy as his man beast I went I've got more balls than you just to rub it in their faces because it's just there's no need for the nastiness you know what I mean no I think when you get that sort of thing like you get comments and you get it's bullying isn't it? and I think yeah. when you get that sort of stuff it's difficult to then control your emotions when you kind of shove it back in their face within you know the sport that you're doing it's difficult not to say something back and it's difficult not to like you say and that's something exactly that I re- once I went into academy football, and I mean, I played for Sunderland Women when I was 15, 16. And that's something that really held me back, the emotional control. Mm. But to be honest, though, sometimes your weakness can turn into your biggest strength. And I think that's probably one of my biggest strengths now. So. That's interesting because, then, like I said, just now, like you develop and you change so much as a person mm-hmm. from like... <clears throat> sorry um from like say 
11, 12, up to even, you know, 18, 19, like you do, you just change so much in terms of how you look at the world, how you deal with things, how you react to things. And I think that's always going to have an impact in it. And especially like we, you, you're a physical player who likes to get stuck in and likes to have that battle. All footballers have got like, who've got that, those sort of traits to their game. They tend to live on the edge a little yeah. bit of like, yeah. of anger, of frustration, yeah. you know, just a bit of everything. Yeah, 100%. I, I think this is where a lot of people actually like misunderstand me because they don't realise I'm actually quite calm and controlled. So when I've came over here into a different country and obviously the language barrier and stuff, they try to have a joke and say, oh, angry woman. Mm-hmm. Because they've seen videos and seen me play angry, like aggressively, but I'm not yeah. angry. Yeah. It's, it, it's so it, it, I explained it on my Instagram not long ago, actually. It's like, imagine driving a Lamborghini and you don't actually know how to drive. You yeah. kind of drive a car of that calibre if, if you can't manage your emotions. No, that's very, very true. So when did you get sort of, when did you go from like parks football and school football to then like, you know, professional clubs and, and that side of things? I was at Newcastle Centre of Excellence for one year when I was 14 to 15 and uh, the, Sunderland man- the Sunderland women's manager wanted me when I was like 15 because mm. I turned 16 in the September, so you can play women's football from then. That wasn't really a good decision because I went and just sat on the bench for a whole season and that totally oh. knocked my confidence. My, fi- my fitness went f- knocked completely. So then I went on to Newcastle Women and I had three seasons with them. We got promotion. Uh, I really enjoyed it there because I just I played centre mid, I had a lot of freedom, scoring goals. My confidence, like, shot through the roof again. And then I went back to Sunderland and I was working my way to the first team and that's when we were, like, reaching for the Super League. But my career has literally went in spirals and up mountains and, and into the valleys. Um, and, and, I mean, I would say there's been a lot of failures, but right now... I. I don't really see them as failures because I just think that, like, you're never going to have a straight road. You've just got to enjoy. You learn You learn more from the times where you need to go down a little bit to then come back up, not just as a footballer, but as a person. 100%. You know, um, I did a show recently with um, Darren Purse and um, we were talking about kind of that. And um, so because someone had asked me the question, if you could go back to like when you were 16, knowing what you know now, would you do it? And I said no, because all the things, all the mistakes that I've made and all the things that went wrong, all the things that went right, all those different twists and turns, that's what makes you who you are Mm. now. And I think if you kind of take those away, you're not going to be the same person because you, you, you develop and you learn and you adapt because of things more so of things going wrong than things going right. That is true. But then also if you're knowing what you know now when you're 16, I mean, I think my ambition was always to play for England. And I think knowing what I know now, I think me personally now, physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm well capable of playing for England, but I'm Mm -hmm. not at the right place. I'm not at the right club. 
to be able to play for it. So I think if you ask me that question now, if I could go back to 16, absolutely. What would you do? What would you do differently? With the wisdom and the knowledge that I've got yeah. now, train like an absolute animal consistently with emotional control, tracking my wellness daily. So two years ago, when we when COVID hit, mm-hmm. uh, a really crazy injury hit. I fell off my bike and I couldn't right. see a phys- I couldn't see a physio. So for two months, like I couldn't walk, couldn't run. I had to track my own wellness to be able to trial and error, recovery, rehab. And finally, when I seen a physio and I started to get fit again, before I went to to Hibs, I don't know, just trialing this spreadsheet that I created and tracking my own wellness, it helped me understand so much around mental health, around nutrition, around sleep and how it all links about brain activity. Uh, so, yeah, I think if I track my own wellness when I was 16 and I trained like the animal that I train like now. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, I think understanding your mental health as well as your physical health mm-hmm. is really important to like being successful because I think a lot of people focus only on if they're a footballer they have focus only on you know training like a beast and all these different things mm-hmm. but then maybe they don't take into take into account things like the injuries or mm-hmm. knockbacks and things like that yeah. the effect it can have on your mental health and if your mental health's not tip top mm-hmm. in the long term it'll have an effect on your physical health as well and yeah. i think it's interesting i do find it really interesting that the the kind of correlation between the two. Having um, said that, having said well, that, if I wasn't kind of clinging on to that England ambition, I hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm 27, so it's very, very unlikely now. I mean, but you never say never. Uh, I think I wouldn't change and go back to I was to being 16 year old because it's quite nice when you experience your mental health go up and down, like the physical changes that you feel. You kind of understand understand the scientific side of it having not actually studied in a university about it but knowing the experiences that you feel within your body and self-educating about those experiences I think is very interesting so I've I've kind of learned to enjoy the journey just day by day yeah and that's why that's why I come abroad because sometimes when you're at home you're thinking too much about the past, about the future, what could be, what could have been. But when you go, when you come away and you just take the time to learn and reflect daily and you really live mindfully, it gets so much easier to just train with intention. Yeah, I think as well, like when you're living at home, you've got like that, um, like a comfort thing, haven't you, in terms of, You've always kind of been there. You've always around the same people. And I think sometimes moving away from that can also help you develop, whether it's mentally, physically, career-wise. I think coming out of that comfort zone can be a good thing sometimes. But, you know, something doesn't, it depends on the person. Um, I was interested, like, what was you like in school, like with the academic side of things? 
Were you just not Absolutely. interested in that sort of thing? Not interested. Absolutely shocking. I was uh, sport. Just wanted to play sport. Just wanted to play mm. football all of the time. I didn't want to learn. Although I did, when I was a teenager, I did have a profoundly deaf uh, boyfriend. So it was strange because being with him, it allowed me to just, I actually isolated myself a lot. And I kind of lived in the deaf world where I just like, but it, it helped me understand so much because I used to observe visually. So I didn't listen to people, but I used to watch people. Uh, and it, it really helped with emotional emotional intelligence, which at the time I thought made me a really bad communicator because I'm not necessarily a listener, but I listen with my ears, but I listen with my eyes. I watch everything, which in turn is really, really good for when you come on the pitch because you're watching people so when, when people's emotions spike to be able to be a leader and calm them down. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. It's, um, it's, it's interesting, like I said to you just before we started recording, um, about my son and kind of he needs things explained a certain way for in order for him to, you know, to pick it up and to get going. And then once he gets going, he's fine. And I think everybody. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Learns differently, but it sounds like your experience with your boyfriend meant that you almost, to a certain extent, not, you kind of developed that skill because you you know you spend so much time with him and like you say you kind of lived in that that world of um where your boyfriend couldn't hear and stuff like silence. that silence i was so, also yeah, in a silent world yeah so and it's it's inter- it's interesting isn't it because like i'm sure you led you learned to and your boyfriend obviously had to um you learn to read emotions and body language and you see changes in people's emotions body language whatever mm-hmm. And it's, that's going to do, like, as you get older, that's always going to be a, a beneficial trait or it's a skill, really. And I think, I, I find that, again, I find that really interesting because, like you mentioned, how it could benefit you on the pitch. But I think also, say, like, when you finish playing, that's, because I think that's beneficial if you wanted to be a coach or if you wanted to be, a coach you know coaching kids or something like that you'd be able to pick up on things which maybe other people wouldn't necessarily pick up on it's obviously even became beneficial as soon as I've come to it's the first time I've lived in a different country with a different language I've lived in Canada and America but never a different language and I've never realized how beneficial sign language actually is when you can't understand the words because you're looking for all of the communication through the actions instead of the words. So how observe, I'm being complimented how like observant I am without actually understanding what's being said. And 
this is this was one of the reasons why I wanted to come to a different country with a different language to push myself out of my comfort zone and that sense. But going oh. back to your question about the academics, yeah. I think as a teenager, I used to just look for too many distractions because I was so um I was so willing to just neglect my mind and like not confront my fears, not confront my doubts. It's only as I'm getting older that you learn. You learn from your doubts and your fears. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think as a teenager, you you don't necessarily, if you're like, you're afraid of something or you're concerned about something or you're, you've got like anxiety building up over something, you don't, you learn to control it, but not necessarily in a way that you would learn to control it as an adult. So like as an adult, you can kind of get your head around using things like fear and anxiety and and pain as mm-hmm. motivators as 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 a learning um curve and and things like that but as a teenager you don't you I think of, as a teenager you try to push it away yeah of course you don't well, you want just it try and avoid it don't you, you so just, going back uh, to your question if you could force yourself to be 16 again i think force yourself to understand your fears force yourself to really understand your mind yeah yeah and i think like my big thing was always um, when I used to think if I could go back and be like 14, 15, 16 and know what I know now was so that I could do better academically simply because I was pretty capable. Uh, mm-hmm. I just couldn't be bothered for a variety yeah. of reasons. And I kind of wasted the intelligence that I did have mm-hmm. into and not through like, like I had you know, some stuff happened, but like stuff happens to everyone. And I think I wish that I could have perhaps embraced the just school as a whole a bit better yeah. than I did. Me, me too, but, me too. Because I think you can get stuff out of it later in life, even if yeah. it's something like if you decide you want to go on and do a different career, if you've already got that basis of the you know, the GCSEs or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. because you did all right in school. It's easier yeah. to go on and do that. You haven't got to go and... Fight your least, way through. Yeah, <laughs> fight your way through and do certain things that you didn't I'm do very sick. well in. Or... I'm sick of the excuse of, like, you can't you, you can't get this job because you don't have the piece of paper when you've got the knowledge there. It really, really frustrates me. Yeah. Because in the same sense of, like, I'm trying to fight in a sport to get independence and find my way through. Like I've just recently finished living at home a 27 year old and I couldn't even go and do a degree because my parents earned so much money. So I couldn't even get student finance to do a degree that I wanted. And it's just, yeah, it does, it does bug you. Yes, yeah, that's frustrating because like yeah. you, you're there, you wanna go and further yourself, further your education and just kind of held back by something which is out yeah. of your hands completely and i mean um, when you said pushing yourself out your comfort zones that's how you do that through education through understanding i mean this is why i box because with football now i mean as i mentioned how long i played football since i was four or five years old uh, it's been a very long time since i've actually pushed myself out my comfort zone in football every environment that i've went to i've got a lot I've got an abundance of confidence because like there's the same, the more, you know, the less that you fear. Wait, but when I go box, 
I don't know the sport. I don't know the technique. So it really forces me to like think to, and I have coaches giving me constructive criticism all the time. And it makes you think, I don't like that, but that's good because that's what makes you better. Yeah. So and I'm so not how, getting that from football. So I get, if I get it from boxing, I get the mental side. Why not? How do you take criticism generally? Uh, I never used to be good with it, but I love it now. So when you were like a, when you were like a young footballer and you were with the Centre of Excellence, then you were Sunderland, and then Newcastle, and then Sunderland, like. <clears throat> What if your coaches would criticise you or what not? I How think, would you have taken that? I think because I was a very emotional player when I was a teenager, mm. I didn't take criticism very well. And I don't think coaches necessarily understood me as a person. I was a very complex individual. So I never got I never give got criticism given to me the right way that I needed it. Yeah, I kind of needed it. I kind of needed it sugar coated, but yeah. because I because I was such a strong, confident presence, they felt the need to give me it like right. throw it in my face. Yeah, and that would it, it crippled me because uh, I was I was emotional deep down, and I needed that um, arm over my shoulder. Uh, actually, one boxing coach described me as a, a bit of a coconut because I've got a hard shell, but I'm so. I'm such a softy deep down. But then it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, because you're like quite a combative physical player um, and aggressive and things like that, people automatically assume that that's what you're like off the pitch. We saw, so Charlotte's like that on the pitch. So she would prefer it if I just tell her straight. Whereas mm-hmm. that's actually not the case. So like how, how many other players around the world similar where they're quite quiet and shy and maybe the coach will be kind of sugarcoating it a little bit or they'll you know whatever they'll do it differently but actually that person would prefer it if they were just told no just tell me exactly straight if I'm crap tell me I'm crap and etc etc because it what it comes down to is every individual is different they want they need different things and they learn in different ways and I just think sometimes, particularly I do think in football, the little I know myself and then from speaking to a variety of, you know, uh, managers, coaches, chairman, players, whatever, and also people from other sports, is it does feel like football is a bit one-dimensional in terms of, I think it's getting better, but I think it's a bit one-dimensional in how it approaches like individuals in terms of it doesn't feel like some managers and coaches take the time to just have a quick chat with their players individually to get a feel of how they are and then they can work out the best way to help them develop as footballers. It's almost yeah. like they're kind of lumped in as a team. Yeah. I don't know. You'd know better than me, obviously, but I'm just going from this sort of outside. No, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. Every single player brings something different based on their individual like individualism so I think that's where you're right people make a lot of assumptions about me but it's taught me even though it hurt at the time when I was younger I don't mind have being hurt like that now because 
I use that pain to make sure I don't make assumptions about any other teammates, about any other, if, when I do go in, because I do want to go into coaching and management in the future, hopefully. Uh, I know that. Don't, don't just jump to conclusions. Don't assume. We all do it every day in exactly life. exactly what I was going to say. We all, everybody makes assumptions. Everyone stereotypes people to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Um, you kind of, everyone does it just day to day. I reckon you probably, everybody makes several assumptions about people every day, whether they verbalize them or they think them yeah. all the time. Which is and okay, think- which is okay. And it's only going to be natural. But as long as you learn that self-awareness of when you do yeah. do it, self-awareness and when it's when it's gonna and when it's gonna be like damaging to other people i think that's when you need the self-awareness 100 yeah self-awareness is the absolute best way to kind of describe that it's all right and this is what frustrates me a little bit about um like particularly like social media and media today is people are so quick to kind of jump on what people say or think and it's like just have a bit of self-awareness and have a bit of just I can't think of the word which is going to bug me I'll think of it in about 10 minutes time when we're talking about someone else but like people just need to it's like a lack of humanity almost like people just are so keen to criticize on things like social media that they don't take into it they don't they almost don't look at it like if it was a family member or a friend you'd like to think that they'd look at it from that person's point of view before they just jumped in and said some horrible, horrific stuff, which goes around yeah. on social media. Whereas you know, on social media, they just jump in and just yeah. say it. And, and you know, like, well, there was this one point on social media where I thought, I'm not going to post much, like, because whatever you post, it's just going to be judged or assumed. But then you learn that every, even on social media and in, in life, in person, People have their own perceptions and you cannot control what, how they perceive what you say or what you do. So why should you be bothered about, about what they think? So if you have a post that you want to post and you want to reach, you want to try and get the message across and they perceive it in their, how they like think, let them perceive it that way. Again, I saw a post the other day from, um, Oh, she, I think she was like a, a girl and she, I think she might be like a judo, like an Olympic judo mm-hmm. um, lady. And she was posting, she posted like a, a picture because you've got to post a picture on Instagram, of course. So she posted a picture of her having just finished in the gym doing weights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the caption was actually about like mental health and suicide like she was trying to reach because she has quite a big following she was trying to reach um you know a certain demographic of people who people who might be struggling at the moment Mm -hmm. and all it was is it was just people focusing on the picture and it was a combination of kind of blokes saying how you know fit she looked or whatever and and then another combination and then another kind of group of people saying oh why are you posting pictures which you've got like you got her like you're half naked and she wasn't half naked anyway not that it matters but she was you know she just had like gym gear on and it was just like jesus christ talk about being like lacking self-awareness and 
all those people who had just jumped in because they felt the need to, they have to say something to this person, but a very small percentage of those hundreds of comments had actually commented on what the post was about. Yeah. It was all so focused on this, like something completely different, which was, uh, and and I kind of looked at it and I was just like, that's why I don't like social media because it's just, yeah. but, but you're right in what you said is even in day-to-day life, people make assumptions, people judge you, people have got their own perception of who you are, of who other people are. Mm-hmm. So it's why like shouldn't that po- you? It's like that post that I made recently about mental health. I mean, I got I got tons of messages. And I mean, many of the messages thought people were trying to reach out to me because they thought that I was struggling now. That mm. wasn't the point of the message because I was in I was in a good good state to be able to post that and to be able to be vulnerable. Uh, and but you got you got I got so many different perceptions and different responses and it was quite interesting because I wasn't let them let letting their responses affect the reason why I actually made the post if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I am um, like differences of how people perceive what you can put is quite interesting. So um, I can't remember when you came on the Andy Campbell show if. Um, if I still had long hair, but obviously I had shoulder length hair for a couple of years. And when I decided I was going to have a cut, I decided that I was going to um, shave it off. And then I was going to donate it to mm-hmm. wigs for kids um, who are having like cancer treatment and stuff, and then raise some money for a mental health charity by doing it. Right. Whatever. You know, I just wanted, there was two things which I kind of care about. So mm-hmm. I thought I made, I'm going to cut my hair anyway. It's long. Let's do something with it which is going to help people. And um, what I said then is, well, I had got to like a few hundred quid or whatever, and then I put a message up saying, if we raise a little bit more money today, I'll make a stupid video with my green screen while I've still got long hair. So like I did one in front of a a waterfall or something stupid, you know, just Mm -hmm. stupid stuff, but just to try and encourage people to keep donating and raising money and stuff. And um, someone sent me a message on Twitter. Um, I've deleted it now, but it was a lot, to paraphrase, it was like along the lines of um, like, why are you, why are you, why have you posted a picture with no top on? Why are you making these videos and trying to get clout and trying to, trying to get attention? And it was all like, and I was like, I can't, I couldn't get, I could not get my head around why or how that person had looked at what that post was and that's what they'd taken away from it. I couldn't understand it. And it took me ages to like, it really bothered me. And I never replied to stuff like that because I'm not going to get into an argument with a stranger just over something stupid. But I was like, I think it was about a month later where I was like, well, it doesn't really matter what they think. Like you raise money for charity, you cut your hair and you did all the stuff you said you were going to do. And but it was I found it difficult to deal with and it was only one message but I just couldn't get my head around it at all just the perception of it because I could because I couldn't understand where they were coming from Mm -hmm. like I couldn't understand how they got that impression but like like we just said everyone makes judgments everyone sees things their own way and that's um, when you live in. That's when you when you living in a state of insecurity and fear. That's when you actually think about what other people, why other people are thinking that. 
Whereas if you learn to deal with your insecurities and fears, you can actually get your perception where they're going to have their own perception and leave them, let them be. Yeah. Which is why as an athlete, big followers on, on Instagram and social medias, it's important that they do, do learn, especially young, young athletes, to deal with their insecurities and fears. Otherwise, them types of co- comments, they want to massively impact them. I am, um, like I've got like a small platform and stuff, but it took me a while to not take negative comments personally. Like, I don't get many, in fairness. Like, the community which we've got around the channel is so positive, and, it, like, I, it really kind of warms my heart because I'll see people in the comments of the live show, and they'll kind of be, like, checking in on each other, and if someone's struggling, and they'll be messaging, and they don't know each other in real life. They just know each other through, like, the channel and through the shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. But for a while, I really struggled when, when people would say, oh that was rubbish or this or that or they you know or sometimes a bit harsher like I really like I took it really personally and I almost wanted to go back and say why why do you like it doesn't achieve anything does it it just gives kind of some people that that's what they want they want they want you to react so that you can so they can get into a dialogue and keep doing it but I I, I'm getting there I think I still don't like it I do I find it difficult but I've only yeah, got a I, tiny, tiny platform. Yeah, I'm actually lucky that mine's quite small as well, to be fair, because obviously the amount of challenges that I have had recently, I mm. kind of need, needed that small platform. However, there was a couple of years ago before I went to Hibs where my platform, my old Instagram did grow quite rapidly because I don't know if you remember, I done like a T-shirt challenge and I fell over. Yeah, very, I do remember, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, yeah, well, that went on to 433, the Instagram page, and, like, the amount of followers that, like, my account grew and attracted loads of weird people, to be honest, like, very, mm-hmm. very strange, like, sending me strange messages, and it's not that I had insecurities to deal with that. I just, I didn't want that type of audience on my platform, so yeah. probably quite impulsive for me to delete it because that, having a platform that was a little bit larger could have benefited me but yeah. i'm happy i'm happy that i started fresh okay so how many followers did you have on that one on the previous platform then you must have had quite a few the, i think it, it went it went up to six seven thousand but yeah it's like there's a lot of people in it like but that was in the, the space that was in thing. the space of one hour though jesus it was just I like bet were, i bet you had some right weirdos on there no, no yeah. offense to these people, but I bet you did. I just know it. Just because some of yeah. the messages I get, and like, if I was a female, like I hate to think some of the stuff I would get sent because I and I say I say that based on what I get sent, mm-hmm. just on my like small platform and stuff. Like some of the stuff I get sent is unreal, yeah. and you know I just delete it and stuff and whatever. But like I just think God. If I'm getting that as like a 40-year-old guy mm-hmm. who doesn't particularly talk about anything controversial, mm-hmm. imagine what like 18, 19, 20-year-old girls who are just posting about their life and vlogging. Yeah. I can't, I hate to think of the sort of stuff they Do you know the the weird messages and stuff didn't bother me too much? Do you know what the, what was the biggest thing that bothered me? It mm. was sort of like overshadowing the value of my Instagram. Yeah. Like, 
like the people the people that I did want to reach the target audience that I did want to reach the, post, the type the the ti- yeah the type of posts that I wanted to make uh so that's kind of why I deleted it because I was just yeah. attracting like people who wanted to watch funny videos and that's not really what mm. my Instagram's about <laughs> no yeah it's it's one of them and you got to make a decision and I think the brave quite a brave decision in some ways for you because like as a you know, as a footballer, you kind of that is part and parcel of it. You need to build your profile up. So to kind of mm-hmm. just one day go right, no, I'm getting rid of it. Well, I, I actually had no Instagram when I was at Hibs. And it was uh quite nice because I could really just like enjoy being there with the girls. But we were also in COVID. So yeah. it was very it was very difficult to get to know the team. <laughs> without the social media because that's how people were communicating and that's how people were like watching watching what people were interested in so I did decide to get it back and start to grow it again so let's go back to sort of the period where you you went you so you went to Newcastle after from Sunderland and then you ended up going back to Sunderland was that a difficult decision for someone who's a Newcastle fan to leave Newcastle and go to Sunderland or was it just a this is where my career needs to go so this is where it's going to go decision where my career needs to go I was ambitious um, I only went to Newcastle to get a bit of confidence again uh, and it's kind of spiralled all over the place to be honest because I had a spell in Florida I went mm. to go study in in Florida for a couple of months after, a, after I broke up with my deaf boyfriend, uh, a bit of self-reflection, uh, but then realizing I wasn't actually quite ready for that academics yet. I, I loved the football there, but I wasn't quite ready to really dig deep and study. So yeah. that's when I decided to come back to Sunderland and uh, everything went all well and good up until I was 21 years old. and. I'll be honest, that's when I dealt with my first breakdown. Uh, my first mental breakdown was when, at the time when I got off at a professional, a full-time professional contract, when we were in the Super League. And you'd think a girl who's talented, been working hard to be pro footballer, she would relish that moment. But I just said, this wasn't right. And I turned it down and I went to coach in California for a few months. Stopped playing football. That must have been like quite a, well, obviously difficult, but like quite a surreal period in your life. Because like you said, that's something that you've worked on and worked towards something you've wanted to do since you were five years old. Mm-hmm. So then to walk away from that when you finally kind of get that offer, that must have been something which you would have had to, I'm, you know, I'm sure you thought about it from all sorts of angles and stuff like that. But that must have been a really difficult period in your life for you to walk away from that. It gets me emotional. Probably the most difficult experience of my life. Because it's like, until you go through a breakdown, you've, you never, you're like, you don't know pain when you experience the scientific and chemical changes in your body. But that, with those moments is the growth because you understand so much about life. 
and having time to take away from football to really just look at the world without having football in your life and understanding people as well as yourself. And I think that's where I transformed as a player because taking the time away from football, I went from being the emotional footballer to being the leader who understands yeah. people who understands not only people, but my own emotions, and to be able to control them too. And I, I've just had a moment there. We all go through those moments where you feel a sudden rush of emotion. But to be able to, conscious, be, to, be able to consciously breathe through it and understand it. And, yeah, it's different. It's hard, isn't it? Like, and I think it's understanding what it is as well. Like, and being able to, like you say, breathe through it, control it. And I think everybody gets that. It's, you know, and I'm sure, you know, some people get it to different varying degrees. I bloody, some days, can be watching just some ridiculous video on Facebook and it'll just get me. And I, I feel like a rush of emotion. And it could be from a certain time anything. in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be com- I'll be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, I talk about the financial side of uh, why I came away from Sunderland to Switzerland, but it was that same emotion that stopped me from playing football in the first time mm. of why I actually came here. Uh, mm. I'm lucky that I didn't stop playing again, to be honest. I'm lucky that I've gained the mental strength because it could have actually forced me to stop playing again. Uh, but I'm thankful that I've self-educated to gain enough resilience and mental strength to keep going because I'm not stopping now. I'm going to make the most of every single day of my playing career because that's where you're going to get the opportunities for where you finish also. When I was living at home, I was thinking far too much about the future, about what am I going to do after football? I'm 27 now. But when you learn to live day by day, that's when you actually get opportunities come and flood you. Embrace it a little bit more. I think sometimes people get, they're so focused on getting to point A Mm -hmm. that they don't enjoy the ride along the way. Um, Absolutely. Sorry, I don't know if you can still hear me. My camera's just... Yeah, your camera's froze, but I can hear you. That's all right. Um, I'll switch over to my other camera now. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about sort of... So we touched a bit on like some of the um, the difficulties that you had. Um, but I want to talk about some of the, the kind of positive experiences you, that you've had as well. Like obviously you've played for Sunderland, you've played for Newcastle, you've played for uh, Hibs. Tell me some of the, like, talk to me about some of the kind of uh, the positive sides of that, the people you've met and uh, things like this. Do you know what? I think you don't necessarily understand the positive impacts that people have on you until you come away from the environment. Like when I was at Hibs, the assistant coach, Roddy, he was such a caring and understanding person where you're moving away from home, and I was in a pa- in the pandemic, living away from home, on a part-time contract. And by the way, I was offered a coaching role alongside my um, part-time contract, and I didn't get that. 
So that was one challenge. Uh, and when you have people who can be there to support you through those challenges, you come away and you think, wow, that, like the emotion, that meant a lot. But I think also learning from other players. You don't realise how much you learn from them players until you reflect on something else, or you come across a situation when you're away from them and you think, oh, I actually learned that from them. So Joel Murray, the, cap the captain for Hibs, uh, I learned so much from her. But then I also see the achievements of the young players of, like, for example, one of the players at Hibs who maybe didn't get a, an opportunity so much because I was there, who she's getting more game time now. And she's, I, I'd like to think that I helped educate her. Mm. I'd like to think that the young players at Sunderland, in fact, I know for a fact that they used to watch me because I've got that sort of awareness where I can see them watching me and learning from me, which, which is tough because when you're going through difficulties yourself and you're not, you don't feel yourself, you want to be able to teach them what's right. And yeah. I believe truly they were watching me train it's kind of what I touched about on my social media, how I'm training with more, it looks like I'm training with motivation, but really I'm just trying to train to get some endorphins in me, mm. some energy because of my mental health was so low, but they didn't know that's, that, that's why I was training. No, of course. They uh, see you as, they see you training yeah. intensely and hard and, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're looking at it from one way, but actually, and it goes back to what we were saying about perceptions, uh, like, uh, perceptions and, and assumptions of, of people. Just it, It's an automatic thing, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. you see someone training like that and you assume that's why they're doing it, but actually mm -hmm. there could be more to it. And you look at the story of Gary Speed's mental health too. That was something that was really getting him because the younger players were looking at him and they didn't actually understand the difficulties he was going through. And he couldn't actually tell them because they're looking at him, they're looking at him for some inspiration. And when you can't inspire them in the way that you want to, because you've got so many negative feelings and fears and doubts within you, and you're not your usual positive self, it makes you even 10 times worse. 100%. Um, what was your favourite thing about living in Scotland? The beach. I lived on Portobello Beach and I used to, I used to take my book every morning and just sit at the rocks with the waves. And for me, that's like, that's peace. That's nice. That's why I love here because I've got the lake. Yeah, see, I'm we we go to the beach all the time, and we prefer to go when it's raining, just because it's quiet and it's um, yeah. it's one of those things I really really enjoy 
uh, going to the beach at like weird times. We all do what kids love it as well. And we'll just sit on the beach and it'll be like really dark or it'll be raining and just find it relaxing. However, when I asked you that question about Scotland, I was not expecting for you to say the, your favourite thing about Scotland is the beach, i got to say. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you. Honestly, um, Portobello Beach is one of the most beautiful beaches ever and I, don't, I think more people need to know about it. Absolutely. Sounds like a phenomenal place. I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to ask my uh, really Kev McNaughton about that. Um, what about... Just, like the Sunderland and Newcastle period where you went Sunderland, Newcastle, Sunderland. What's your biggest regret about that period? Um, not being an open, open and honest with people, with teammates, for mm. team, teammates to understand me. Okay. Because with me not being honest and showing my true personality, which is the kind person that I am, a lot of people misunderstood me, which led to assumptions. And then assumptions impacted my mental health even more when I was going through my own personal issues. Uh, however, we all, go, we all have to self-reflect and go through periods where we have to be quiet within ourselves. So, but it's important that you do, you are understood by teammates because that's, that's what develops the trust on the pitch. What was the assumptions that made about you, if you don't mind me asking? I think because I'm a confident player, I think a lot of people just thought I was a little bit egotistical and maybe there was some sort of false ego there, but naturally there's going to be a false ego if you're going through periods of pain. Yeah, like i got to say, from our conversations and stuff, you're possibly one of the least egotistical people I've had the pleasure of speaking to. It's not what you. you're about. <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're not like we've we had a chat and stuff, and we had a chat before, and we've talked over text and stuff when we were trying to sort this out and that. And you've always been really sound to me, and like we've, we'll have a chat and whatever. And like, there doesn't seem to be much e like much of an ego there in terms of like you're not difficult to talk to. Do you know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. that's a weird one, but. Like I say, it's perceptions, and it? it's in, uh, it's different for everyone. Um, what is like? How I'm trying to think how to word this without because I don't want to put you in a position. I'm not. I'm not asking you to name people, but I'm interested in the kind of experiences you've had with coaches. So, like, what difficulties have you had when? with coaches and is there periods where you feel like you, they could have dealt with you differently to get the best out of you on the football pitch? Do you know what? Like, I'll actually hand on heart say Carlton Fairweather dealt with me in the wrong way, but, be, but also the right way because he taught me that I needed to delve into why I'm so emotional. And because he obviously was a centre back, he was. I've had some of my best defensive coaching from him, uh, but also because he was so used to coaching boys and being a little bit more brutal, like it was wrong for that, them emotions. And probably, probably one of the causes of why 
my mental health and like why I stopped playing football but I'll be grateful for him because that's the best thing that ever happened to me uh, so even though he dealt with me the wrong way it's taught me so yeah. much honestly there's been so so many situations because I, I think I am a difficult character to be able to deal with the right way in fact there's, is there a right way or is there a wrong way how would you deal with yourself if you were the manager how would you deal with Charlotte Potts give me freedom give me independence um, talk to me as a person want to understand me um, yeah I think I need freedom hmm. you said something really interesting there um, you said try to understand me and I think on a basic human level just like a football as well everybody wants to be understood and everybody wants to feel like they're understood and I think that's like almost like a a missed trait I suppose within sport is like <clears throat> if the person you're coaching in whatever sport it may be if they feel like you genuinely understand them, they are going to take in the information you give them more fervently, and they're going to listen to what you have to say more, but also they're going to feel better about themselves. Yeah. And then when the, when the criticism is needed or the, the negative side of something is needed, they're more likely to, to not take it really personally and, and kind of get offended and go on the defensive yeah. and stuff like that. But, but equally, I think that can work as well as if you don't understand someone, but you're trying to, that effort can, can go a long way as well. And I think that's what was missing. I can hand on heart say, I think I was missing that effort from coaches to really dig deep and delve into my emotions because if... I'm the type of coach where if I come across a player who's a little bit emotional, I want to delve into what's causing these emotionals. Why are, why, why are they emotional? Can I do something to help them with the understand these emotions? Because I haven't had a coach who's necessarily helped me understand my emotions. I've been forced to deal with it in my own way, if that makes sense. But like, on the with the female side of the game then so like you know in uh say Sunderland and, and Newcastle and these sorts of clubs mm -hmm. on the male side they've got all sorts of backroom staff including access to things like um psychiatrists and and you know and this that and the other they've got access to everything I know so like on the female side of things what's the backroom staff look like like what sort of things would you have access to through the football club it's getting there. I think the fact that, um, like at Sunderland, we were only just starting to get access to the psychologist and things like that, but there was never that access when I was growing up. It was mm. only just recently when I left. Uh, and I think that overwhelms a lot of players because it's like you've never had that psychologist there before, so you think almost like, whoa, I don't Quite think I want to go talk to the psychologist, but really, you don't understand it's actually beneficial. Yeah. Uh, but for I me, think I think... I think make all the players do it. Then there's no... 
singling kind people of stig- out. Stigma so, to it, and or yeah. where you're either you're asking individual players to go there, or they feel like, oh, I I would like to go there, but they don't mm-hmm. want to because they're the only one who's going there. If that makes sense, if everyone yeah. goes individually, it's. And do you know thing. what? I'll be completely honest. The best thing, the best thing that's happened to me is finding life coaches. Like I've got a couple of people who I go to about certain things. And I mean, it's so important that you have someone who can mentor you and guide you through personal things that can have an impact on your football also. And I'll actually openly say this. I don't know what I'd be, I don't know where I'll be without Gary Bennett. Like, as soon as I came back from Canada and I met him through show races and the red card, like the amount of support that I've got from him through co- my, when I started my coaching business, it started through him helping me with that, uh, to him helping me with things for my own playing career. And then developing that amount of trust that you can talk to about why things are actually impacting you is so important because you can't bottle things up. A problem yeah. shared is a problem halved. Absolutely. It's, um, I think it's vital to have those people in your life that you can, uh, you know, you can talk through stuff with, you can... Uh, if you've got like a, a crisis of confidence, a crisis in life, something could be anything. Could be stealing in your kitchen club, but just having someone who you can go to and and yeah. especially if you especially if you're if you're like a young adult um, who's never had to deal with that type of thing, that's difficult. And I think that's an, something which um, people sometimes forget. Like we, when we spoke to David Cottrell, one of the things he said was when he had a day, de- he had a deadline day move uh, to one of the clubs. I think it was Wigan. Mm-hmm. So he, his agent and whatever they were pushing for the move, the clubs were pushing for the move, big money move, and then suddenly he had gone from Wales to Manchester or Wigan or somewhere. He was just in this big city with his wife, and they were you know they were like nineteen twenty with a young baby in a hotel didn't know the area, didn't know any people, had never, uh, you know, had a mortgage or lived on their own. They'd never paid bills. They had no idea, like, what to do, how to go about finding somewhere to live. And they just found themselves there in a hotel. And everyone who had been around them in the build-up to the move Mm -hmm. just disappeared. The agents were dealing with other moves. The clubs, you know, they're doing their thing. And... um, that's always kind of, I always kind of remember that when he said that because I thought, you know, 1920 is no age. No. And to be in a strange place is difficult to deal with. Like, even for you, like you're 27 now, and you said, like, you've talked about how you've kind of developed coping strategies, you've developed ways to deal with stuff and whatnot. Like, you're in a foreign country. Imagine what that would have been like at the age of 19. Being in a especially, especially the way that I first got here, by the way. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So when I first arrived, I had travelled all day, two trains to London, then a flight from London to Milan. And then I had to, I was thinking I was getting picked up from Milan. So 
my phone had died and I didn't because I was only told that I was coming here a day before that my flight was. I had to rush pack in, so I didn't have a charger for coming, like a European plug. And I got a message on my phone and my phone was only on like 2% saying you need to get the train to Lugano. Uh, so I've never been here before. I need to get a train, which is an hour and a half. And from there, nobody picked me up from the train station at Lugano to, to the apartment. I had to get the address of the apartment and write it on the back of my hand and get a taxi from the train station to the apartment because my phone was dead. Now imagine a 19 year old. Do all that. They wouldn't be <laughs> like a lot of 19 year olds wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, my stress, I coped with the stress quite well, but I was so tired after traveling for like 10 oh, hours, my eyes on the train and I had to stay yeah. awake for the stop. Yeah, you don't fall asleep through your stop, do you? And be in a completely another even further place away. Jesus. So how did that move? Let's we'll kind of finish on the Lugano. Like, how did your move to them come about? So I have a, I knew an agent who was acting for me before Hibs. It was so eager to get me to Italy. And I mean, my, one of my dreams is to play in Syria. I'm a defender, art of defending. Maldini, yeah. I absolutely adore adore Maldini's style. Uh and Lugano is very close to Milan, so I'm thinking, if I'm playing in Switzerland and I'm close to Mil if I'm close to like Italy, it might lead to a move there. So my contract's due to expire at the end of this season, uh, May end of May, and I really don't know where I'm going to end up. I obviously wouldn't turn okay. down a Super League move uh, once I've experienced some spiritual growth. Of course, any any player would want to smash the Super League, and I'm well confident in my ability to be able to handle that pressure there. Yeah. Uh, I want a big club. Uh, for me, the amount that I have I've endured, and we talked about the psychological health, I want something that's going to provide me professional support for the future now. Yeah. Some and something that's going to lead. Something that's going to lead me down a, a good career path with the amount of wisdom that I've accumulated on the journey. Yeah, but Serie A club, a good a good Serie A club, Super League club. I don't know. Be the choice maybe, then. Maybe what about I would. You had a choice between the two, a Serie A club and a Super League club. Same terms, conditions, or whatever. You just got I to would, choose. I would never. I would never know until the moment came. Depends on the club, doesn't it? Depends on the club, depends on the moment, depends how I feel at that time and place. So, are you someone, when you would say you had that decision to make, just say, um, mm -hmm. hypothetically, if, are you someone who would kind of go over that decision, like over and over in your head and speak to maybe your parents or your, your friends and, and kind of go through it and the pros and cons and that side of things? Or are you someone who would kind of look at both sides and then just go with what you feel within you. A bit of both. I talk to I talk to close friends, uh, family. I look at some pros and cons, but I think mainly I go on gut instinct and how mm. I feel at that time and place. I mean, for example, I turned down a Syria club in this transfer window because 
my mental state obviously wasn't ready to play against Juventus in, in Milan. I needed, I, th- I thought Switzerland would have been the better challenge. So like I say, it depends all on how you feel at that time and place and your body, the scientific, the way your body works scientifically, I think you can tell on gut instinct. Um, so with these shows, um, Charlotte, what we do is we ask uh, one final question, which is, uh, it can be as complex or as simple as you make it, I suppose. Um, everyone interprets it different, so it'll be interesting to see how you interpret. But um, Charlotte Potts, what is the meaning of life? Um, living with peace and purpose and intention. Uh, not overthinking, not worrying, and just spreading spread love. Good stuff. Um, listen, Charlotte, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Uh, it's been really interesting. I've had a pretty good time. It's been been an interesting conversation. Been uh, been thoroughly enthralled by it. I've got to say, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Um, thank you for your time. Um, thank you. Tell it people, was, I enjoyed it. Tell the people where they can find you on um, social media and all that stuff. On Instagram, it is Charlotte Potts twenty three. I'm also on LinkedIn. And my Twitter is Charlotte with two E's, 23. Here we go. No weirdos. <laughs> no weirdos. I can deal with weirdos now. I've came across plenty. Yeah. So, Charlotte, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, guys, please do subscribe. YouTube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. New episodes of My Story every Tuesday. Roderick Giggs on football every Thursday live. Uh, Danny Batten Fried Show every Friday. Plus, we have numerous exclusive interviews um, including we had uh, Commonwealth champion Gavin Gwynn uh, in the studio for an exclusive interview last week so uh, check that out before he has his British title fight coming up but uh, until next week bid you farewell cheers Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.